My name is Brian White. I am so glad you're here this morning. Uh, Going to begin a new series this morning uh, for New Year, and just I'm just so thankful for this church. You know, it's just such a amazing thing to be part of community. We do have a couple things going on. Uh, one of them, we had a group go down to Honduras yesterday, and unfortunately, they had some issues uh, in San Francisco. I think we have the picture of them in Honduras up there are on the way, so they got down to San Francisco and they had a pretty big layover and so they uh, took time off and they rented a van and if you can see the, the window there is broken and yeah, and they lost some passports so we're trying to figure out how to deal with that and I want you to just ask you to be praying for them. Um, and, and some of them are on some time restrictions and with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow, uh, it's going to be hard to get an expedited passport. And so I really, really feel bad about that. Um, also, we have a big group of kids who went to uh, Bighorn, Montana for winter camp. Uh, they left Friday. I think we have over 30. And then the really cool thing, and that's amazing in itself, but a, about a third of them, a little over a third-ish, are from our Eastgate community. Um, and these are kids who have matriculated up through our after-school program and on. And it's just such a neat thing uh, as they become more and more part of our ministries. You know, when, a couple of years ago, we had our Eastgate ministry, and then we had here, and, and us and them have become we. And it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal experience for the, us. Um, I just got back from uh, Thailand, and I was really, really blessed. Um, it was a neat thing it, it, uh, on, on so many levels. And we have a wellness ministry, and, and I really want to hit this, that I, I think is cutting edge. And here at our church, we really feel there's a stewardship issue. You know, God has given us our bodies. And you know, you are the only person in the world that God has placed in charge of taking care of your body. I just think the stewardship thing is so huge. And we, over the years, we've really tried to grow our wellness ministry around that stewardship aspect, but also the community. And we got um, several different classes doing a variety of things, but one group, a uh, huge group of people now come at 4.30 every morning and they work out and it's become a community. And we have a variety of others through the day, through the evening. And so this wasn't part of that, but I just wanted to uh, kind of level up in some of the areas that we, we work on. And, you know, one of them, and, and we've had people ask, and, and it's New Year's, so we're starting um, some new classes right now. And we have some pretty interesting modalities, and one of them is the heavy club. And, and the thing with clubs, you know, they do things that nothing else will do. I mean, nothing else is going to work on your rotation patterns and you know, if you have shoulder issues, this will fix it, um, or it'll kill you, <laughs> or it'll kill you. But the mace, and you know, I've been doing mace for longer, I've been doing club, and um, they've really come a long way. And we have mace classes, but um, we kind of tend to do them right now more in terms of just a, a lighter club. And, and the deal is, you know, you got kettlebell, which is really heavy, and it's, it's pretty um, not very complex movements is the point. It's, it's a heavy object with pretty, um, pretty, pretty easy movements. Club is medium weight, medium complexity. But the beauty of the mace is it is 
lightweight, but you can get really complex in your movements with it. And you know, it's so good for your head, but also then you can couple it, <laughs> if you don't hit your head. Yeah, but you can couple it with yoga. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can work through. And so we're gonna be going through more of those types of things in the future. Um, really wanna encourage you. Um, these are free, you know, in our church opportunities to come together and be part of a group working together. And we'll have more things in the future. This year is gonna be really cool for a wellness ministry. But there's a lot going on. And I really would ex ask you to um, consider, especially starting New Year's, um, how do you wanna grow in your call to be the steward of your body? I mean, God has given you your body and that's an amazing sacred calling on each of us. This weekend obviously is uh, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend and we're starting this series on uh, Daniel. And you know, there's so many interesting parallels, I think, with Martin Luther King and thinking about Daniel and so much we'll find in the weeks to come with Daniel uh, have to do with, with dreams and God, uh, you know, working through dreams and some of that is allusions back to Genesis and we'll look at that in the future and, and that's part of it. But I think the more important thing when we think of Daniel and maybe some of the parallels um, and echoes with Martin Luther King Jr. And, and I have to tell you, so my dad went to school in Atlanta in the 60s while Martin Luther King Jr. was, was at work. And I remember one of my earliest memories, we were in San Francisco and we were at Glide Memorial Church on a Sunday morning, it was packed. And that church was, was really interesting anyway. But I, and I remember, I was very young, there were people everywhere, you know, they were just seated, seated at the, in, in front, they were seated in the windows, it was just packed. And we had a bomb threat. And I remember as we were going down these very narrow stairways, um, the, the community started singing, we shall overcome. And to me, I was probably like four, you know, but to me, that has just left such an indelible impression upon me. And he was long gone by then. But one of the neat things that we'll find with Daniel paralleling back is they stood up for what's right. Daniel and his friends, in the midst of a, a phenomenal amount of oppression, we'll see that in a couple minutes, and, and they worked through the system is the point. Uh, they used nonviolent means to gain influence and, and to change reality. And, and we're gonna see how Daniel and his friends, they, they balance this not accepting injustice by any means. And there were phenomenal injustices being done against them, but they, they worked through the system. And as people saw how they responded, people gave them more power and people gave them more influence. And, and like I say, as, as we celebrate his legacy today, I, I think it's a really amazing opportunity for us as we step into looking at Daniel. And so I'm really excited about this series. I just remembered I wear glasses. But it's gonna be a fun series. You know, Daniel's like one of the funnest. You know, it's, it's like Daniel and his friends, they were kind of the superheroes back in, in the Bible. And, and their stories, they're fun. But there is a consistent theme that I think is going to speak to us today. Uh, and, and so I'm gonna to ask you, to, I want you to read through Daniel 
as we go through it. And, and they're fun stories, at least, you know, the first three quarters or so are, are really, really cool. We'll look at the last and we'll talk about that later. But um, you're going to get so much more out of this. If you can spend just a couple minutes a day reading uh, along, and, and we have a daily study guide um, that we've done for years and years and years and years, and we're going to do something new for the new year. It's a guided path that allows you to read the Bible parallel, you know, with the, the passages. But this year, we're, we're asking a couple superheroes from our church to, to help from Pilstring to, to, to put together the study guide. And so Val Feth and um, Maria Gutierrez and uh, Aaron Pickett and Kenny Short are going to, they're going to put together the study guide uh, in the weeks to come. They're going to work with Pastor Trevor. And they're going to guide you through Daniel. And I'll give you the big picture uh, Sunday mornings of what to look at. But I'm really excited about this. And you can access this on, on our social media stuff, on the, the web and all of that. And on Facebook, there's actually a discussion group that you can um, have chats with people within the church as we're going through Daniel. Because I think it's such an amazing book for us to study today. And, and so I want to encourage you. Uh, to follow along and, and just really dig into this material and you get so much more out of it. And, and hopefully you'll even cultivate a habit of daily Bible study. I think that's such a critical thing for us today. So first we need to talk about the who, the what, the where, the when, the why of Daniel. And there's a couple things that are a little bit difficult. And one is always the foreign names, right? And, you know, we all kind of hack through those. And, um, but these are really important in Daniel. There's not a lot of them. But they can be a little bit confusing, but if we understand what's going on with the names, I think it's going to really unlock a lot for you. And, and there's a couple reasons we should look at their names. For, honestly, as Christians, Daniel and his friends, they are heroes of our faith. These are people from our legacy, and, and I think that's just well enough to learn their names right there. But even more important, we're going to see in a couple minutes the, the whole issue with Daniel. The world around them was trying to change them even down to stripping them of their Hebrew names and giving them new names, Babylonian names. The world was trying to reprogram them. Absolutely, completely. Because they wanted to break down their national identity. They wanted to completely destroy their concept of who they were and give them a new sense of nationality and, and leave beside their heritage as children of God. And they tried to make them in their own likeness. They tried to mold them to give them a new identity. And, and, and they forced them to intermarry. They forced them to take on their customs, the Babylonians. And, and they wanted to form Daniel and his friends in their image. Down to worshiping the gods of the world around them. And so the plot of Daniel, it can easily be the plot of a, like a post-apocalyptic movie or book today. You know, um, a foreign power invades. And they take control of our country. And it's like, you know, Red Dawn, all the parachutes are coming down. And, and you throw in an EMP or something and the power grid gets wiped out. And the point is, once they take the country, it's just begun. The entire population is relocated. They're dispersed throughout the invaders' empire. And there was a strategy behind this, and it was often, it happened a lot back then. They wanted to force this new country that they had just taken over to, to leave behind their identity. They wanted to reprogram them 
to force them to speak their new language, to strip them of their names, to give them names of this new conquering empire. So families were divided and they were forced to intermarry with people from this new world. And this is what the Babylonians did. It's exactly what happened to the Jews when Babylon crushed their nation finally. And my point is, this happened to real people. People that God loved. People who had families. They had kids. Daniel and his friends. But it wasn't just the Jews. I mean, this is what Babylon did. They had a strategy when they took a nation, and it was a horrible strategy, but it was very effective over a generation or two. And they saw the long game. They would conquer a nation... They would disperse them throughout their nation. And after the first generation, they'd be broken down and they would be relocated and they would be assimilated and then the conquered nation would just become part of Babylon. It's not fiction. I mean, this happened. People with families, people with friends, people like us, I mean, people loved them, and, and they loved other people, and, and, and we need to remember their names. And I think just like Martin Luther King Jr., they were heroes of the faith, and they, the way they responded to this horrible situation that we cannot fathom, that ultimately meant they were given influence, and they were given power from within the system that was trying to oppress them. I think we should know their names. But we also need the names of the two kings. And there's two kings involved, two nations. The first one, King Jehoiakim of Israel, of Judah. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. And, and you're going to have to you know, know who these people are. But even more important, so Daniel, and his name meant God judges in Hebrew. But he was given a new name, a Babylonian name, Belshazzar which means protect the life of the king. Do you see where we went from God judges to protect the life of the king? And Hananiah, his name meant Yahweh is gracious. But he became Shadrach, which was kind of a reference. There's, there's some textual issues there, but it was a reference to the god Marduk, the, the Babylonian god Marduk. And then Mishael, who, who his name meant who is like God. He was renamed to Meshach. And there again, that's another reference to another Babylonian god. And then the fourth one, Azariah, his name meant Yahweh has helped. But they took that from him. And they changed his name to Abednego, which meant the servant of the god Nebo. And how they responded to this, I, I think is fascinating. I was really reflecting on this this last week. They, didn't, they chose their battles. They said, okay, if that's what you want to call us, it's okay. But over time, as they chose their battles, they grew in influence and they grew in power. It's an amazing story. So let's start with Daniel. Daniel, the first two verses of Daniel 1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into his power, as well as some of the vessels of the house of God. 
These he brought to the land of Shinar, and he placed the vessels in the treasury of his gods. This was known as the Babylonian captivity, if you've heard of that term before. Judah's southern half of Israel. Jehoiakim was the king of Judah at this point. And so Babylon, they conquered Israel under King Nebuchadnezzar. As I say, that was just the beginning. The day that Judah fell, Babylon was just starting its job. And their ultimate goal was to break the Israelites' sense of nationality down to the point they lost their sense of identity and they reprogrammed them so they would ultimately become happy Babylonians, productive members of society. And I think for us today, we need to understand Babylon more as a concept than a metaphor. Not just a historical nation, although it was. Babylon was a very real nation. Verse 1 says, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem, besieged it. And then verse 2 says, the Lord let Jerusalem fall. And this is one of those, you know, couple verses where there's so much unspoken in those verses. There's pain. And there's agony. And there's devastation in the hearts of real people. This is about 600 years before Jesus, by the way. You hear verse 2. The Lord let Babylon take the holy city, Jerusalem. Babylon took control of God's city. And the Babylonians, they forced these Israelites to leave their homes and to relocate. It's called the dispersion, if you've heard of that term. And they were dispersed. And it's like a, a farmer who sows seeds, the diaspora. God's people were dispersed throughout Babylonian empire, taken from their homes, forced to live in dispersion. I don't think we can at all understand the pain that this would have caused. I don't know if you're familiar with the Psalms. So Psalm 137, I think, is, is the biggest window into how they felt as they were being carted off and dispersed through Babylon by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down and there we wept. When we remembered Zion, Zion's always Jerusalem in the Bible. On the willows, we hung up our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs, and our tormentors asked us for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. And if I do not remember you, and if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy, remember, Lord, against the Edomites, the day Jerusalem fell, they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, you devastator. Happy shall be those who pay you back for what you have done to us. Happy shall those be who take your little ones and dash them upon the rocks. That's a psalm of pain. And it's really trying to reflect what's going on in their hearts. They lost everything. 
And remember verse 2, they, they, they believed the Lord let this happen. And there is so much here. I mean, the people sinned and they knew it. They, 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 they saw the Babylonian captivity as punishment for their sin. And this was not an isolated event. I mean, Israel had this pattern, and they cycled over, and they cycled through it over and over and over and over in their history. They knew it all, they knew it well. They looked back at their past, and they remember from the moment God was giving the Ten Commandments to Moses up on top of the mountain, you know, it came down, and the people were worshiping golden idols. They had walked away from God time and time and time and time and time and time again throughout history, and they realized it finally caught up with them. Over and over for generations, they had walked away from God's safety net. And finally, they believed God withdrew that safety net. And that's why the diaspora happened. And this is huge for us. Because how often do we do the same thing? God sends us messengers and says, something bad's going to happen. And we don't listen. We don't believe it. We choose to listen to ourselves rather than the Holy Spirit who lets us know when we're crossing the line. And the people had gone too far and, and they crashed. God wasn't kidding when he warned them over and over. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet saying something bad's going to happen. So the diaspora was a time in Israel's history when they felt their sin was finally punished. They were being punished big time for their sin. And they're taken from their homes. And they're sent to live in dispersion. And when we walk away from God, I, I, we're like the Israelites. I mean, this is our story. We don't think we're going to experience punishment. We think we're going to get away from it. And, and then in the long run, it doesn't work out ever. But the message of Daniel, in the midst of this, God is God before, during, and after the diaspora. Daniel teaches us, even though we're in the midst of a world with very different values than ours, and there is tremendous amount of pressure to conform to the world's values, to be assimilated into the world's values, to, 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 to be pressed, to be indoctrinated, pressure from you to, to lose your identity. But it's still possible to thrive. Because Daniel teaches us when we stick to our beliefs and when our identity is based on being a child of God, the more pressure they give us to conform the more opportunity we have to thrive. And like Martin Luther King Jr., the more influence people give you when they see how you respond. I mean, you can lead the change. God can make it more on earth as in heaven through your life, through your activities, through your actions. The kingdom can come. The light can enter the darkness. Darkness is not going to put it out, right? Because Daniel's story can be our story. And we can learn from these heroes. Because the reality is, this is not our home. We are residents of King Jesus' kingdom. 
That's where we belong. We are not to assimilate into this world. We are not to conform into this world. Make no mistake, our values are very different than the values of the world. And as Christians and as disciples of Jesus, we are living right smack in the midst of Babylon right now. The enemy is so subtle. And it's so insidious and tries to pull us in. And we don't even realize it, but think about the Babylonian strategy right now, today. The enemy's call is never going to be, hey, you, come follow me. Follow me and, and you're going to be alone and you're going to be miserable and you're just going to be buried and destroyed. That's never, ever, ever how it happens. And it's certainly not come and deny your God and find yourself lost and miserable. The enemy says, this can all be yours. You can afford this. Just go ahead. It's okay. Just take out a little credit, right? What's a little bit more per month when you think about how much more you're going to get with the upgraded package? Because you need this. Because you deserve this. Because it's all about you. It's all about what you want. I mean, you, it's all about what you need. And you can have it. It's easy. Come on. Just treat yourself. You deserve it. See, we're in Babylonian captivity. And it might seem friendly on the surface. But there are forces at work that want to consume you. How are you responding? The world wants to force you to assimilate into a machine. A machine of indulgence. A world that will take your soul. And I think the reason why Daniel and his friends are our heroes, it, it's absolutely fascinating. Listen to the next three verses, starting with verse 3 of chapter 1. When the king commanded his palace master, Ashpenaz, to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family of the nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome, versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight, competent to serve in the king's palace, they were to be taught the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the royal rations of food and wine. They were to be educated for three years so that at the time they could be stationed in the king's courts. So the king commanded his assistants out of all of these new Jewish immigrants to find the most beautiful, young, smart, talented people because that's what they valued and, and they were going to set them aside this is who our world values right i think I, I don't even need to say that i hope it's who we set aside as important it's who we reward today and the king said they're going to receive royal rations of food and, and wine. And, and then they were going to lavish them with everything their world had to offer was the point. I mean, they were, for three years they were going to do this. They were trying to intentionally create these poster children of what can happen if you join the Babylonian Empire. So that the rest of the Israelites would want to be like them. And they would follow them. The machine wanted to use them to influence the nation. I mean, they're like Trojan horses. This is an amazing strategy, right? 
to take the most beautiful, intelligent, perfect young Israelites, and over three years, we're going to turn them into perfect specimens, and we're going to program them to become advocates for our world. And then we're going to send them back to their own people. This is what Babylon has to offer you. I've been there for three years. It's amazing. I mean, come and, and indulge and join us. And, and the, their world is so much better than ours ever was. They will give you things beyond your imagination. Anything and everything is available. That was the king's plan. Create just beautiful, perfect people to influence the nation. Daniel 1.6 tells us the palace master did that and he got the best of the people together. And then verse 6 says, among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And I think that among them is really important. The most beautiful, perfect people gathered together, set aside, and they sent them basically to the spa for three years, right? To make them look even better. And they educated them, and, but only four names were remembered. The four who chose not to give in to the temptation. I mean, this is thousands of years later. We don't know who the other people are. We don't even know how many there were. But four of them chose to be delivered from this evil. Babylonians, they did this to, to break them down, to reprogram them, lavishing them. Daniel 1.8, but Daniel resolved he would not defile himself with the royal nation's rations of food and wine. So he asked the palace master to allow him not to defile himself. Daniel teaches that you know, when you're being offered this seductive path of corruption, you can choose the path of resolve. I mean, there's a space between stimulus and response, right? And the more Daniel was offered, the more his resolve dug in. And the more he thrived, as this happened, because he was a child of God, not a child of Babylon. Daniel realized Babylon will pull you in. The Babylon will try to deceive you with all kinds of pleasures. But the more you swim in her opulence, the more you're going to lose your soul. But Daniel thrived because he said no. And as he did, the people around him were inspired. Even the Babylonians were inspired. King never saw that coming at all. To the point the palace master watched Daniel, and he was inspired. Daniel chapter 1, or verse, one, verse, verse 9, chapter 1. Daniel received favor and compassion from the palace master. To the point that Daniel was able to work a deal with him. He worked through the system. And it kind of goes back to some allusions with Joseph, if you know from Genesis. Listen to Daniel eleven, fifteen. Daniel asked the guard whom the palace master had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables and water to drink. And you can compare our appearance with the appearance of the young men who ate the royal rations and deal with your servants according to what you observe. So he agreed this proposal and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was observed they appeared better and fatter 
than all of the young men who had been eating the royal rations. Now, we need to get what's behind this, what's going on behind this, right? Israel law, the, the, Israel had very strict food laws. And they were to eat foods that were clean, and they were to say no to foods that were unclean. And God had told the Israelites, don't eat the unclean foods, but Babylon was high on the list of the unclean foods, is the point. So this is why Daniel and his three friends, they said, no, we're not going to eat this. And the deal behind the food laws, you know, we, we try to say it's nutrition. No, it wasn't. There's some benefits there, of course, but there was a side, a, a more important benefit. And the deal was, if you followed the Israelite food laws, you know, you, you couldn't eat with people of other religions. If you were eating as God commanded you to eat, the only people you could really get close to were the Israelites meaning you would never end up marrying people of other religions. To the point was ensuring that their beliefs didn't get watered down, be polluted or tainted. They followed the food laws. Their beliefs of the other people around them wouldn't seep in and corrupt their beliefs. And, and the term syncretism, I don't really care if you know the term or not, but it's a, it's a huge deal today. When people of different faiths, when they interact, over time, the beliefs start to intertwine. That's syncretism. Back then, it was so much easier to keep your beliefs pure because they had like the, the, the food laws. You know, you were either following or you weren't. We don't have that anymore. And the downside of which is it's so much more difficult to recognize when we're in jeopardy of corruption. I just ate a ton of amazing Thai food so in the last couple of weeks. So. But, but this is so huge for us. It's so huge. Because we can cross the line today without ever even leaving our homes. Right? I mean, everything's instantly available. 24-7. I mean, think about how easy it is to step across the line today from the kingdom into the world. It'd be so easy if it was just, you know, eat this and don't eat that. But Babylon is so much more insidious now. Living as citizens of God's kingdom in the world today and not becoming corrupt, that is hard. You can get absorbed and assimilated into the world before you even know it. Daniel and his three friends, they chose not to give in. But the rest of these young, beautiful Israelites, I mean, Babylon took them in. They pulled them in. And how much easier is that for us today? Think about the amount of influence and the ways the world tries to stick and just suck us in. What does it mean to be defiled today? And where is the line today? At 11 a.m. Seahawks are yesterday, man. It's so easy to think, you know, there are things like drugs and porn. But what about just desire? And what about indulgence? And when does something like an electronic gadget or a car or stuff move from being a blessing to 
something that might become something we worship. 1 Corinthians 6.12, everything is permissible, but everything is not beneficial. It may be lawful, but is it good for me? This is enhancing my life because you can lose your soul so quickly. Think about our world today. If you want it and, you know, you can afford it. You can figure out a way for a while. You can get credit. What happens when we just say no? That's your world. This is not my kingdom. Give me water and vegetables. And I'm going to pass on your seduction. Daniel 1, 18 through 21. At the end of time that the king had set for them to be brought in, the palace master brought them into the presence of Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among them, there, no one was found to compare with Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they were stationed in the king's court. In every matter of wisdom and understanding concerning which the king inquired, he found them ten times better than all of the magicians and all of the enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel continued there until the first year of King Cyrus. This is so counterintuitive, and I get it. But it's so much of biblical truth is, right? When you say no to Babylon, you say no to its seduction, you say no to its opulence, you think you're going to miss out. You think you're going to you know, have to go without, and, and you're not going to have everything the world has to offer you, but the truth is the exact opposite. Daniel, his friends, Martin Luther King Jr., they would tell you, you are a citizen of kingdom of heaven. King Jesus is your king. This is not your world. Don't act like it is. And then you're going to experience real joy and real sense of purpose, right? But that's not all, because and others will see it. And even those who aren't part of the kingdom, they will see how you respond. And they will give you more and more influence. And the world will change. This is not just a dream. I mean, for parents, how huge is this, right? You know, what are we teaching kids? Because they're watching. They're learning as they watch. They're learning from you what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And don't for a second forget, you know, you can, you can buy anything you want today and it'll be here. And you can eat whatever you want and, and you can watch whatever you want, all in your own privacy of your own home. Nobody's going to know. Just because it's there, and just because the world says it's legal, does that really mean it's okay? Just because it's there and it's okay, is it something for citizens of the kingdom to experience? We're living in this world, but you can't let the values of this world can overcome. So in the weeks to come, we're going to learn so much from Daniel. We're living in the midst of a hostile world. Don't misunderstand. The more we live faithfully, the more we will thrive. And the more the kingdom will come through your actions as the Holy Spirit works through your life. It's going to be a great year. You pray with me. Lord, I thank you for hope. 
I thank you for your presence. For the opportunities you give us to yet again bring redemption to the world. But through our actions, through our lives, the light can shine. And with you, the darkness is not going to overcome. Help us to be true. In your son's name, amen.